Hi, I'm Takara Small. I'm the host of I'll Go First, a podcast all about the innovators and trailblazers in the Canadian tech world. I've been having great conversations with the founders of today's top companies that are changing the world and happen to live right here at home in Canada. If you want to know more about the minds and lives behind major companies in artificial intelligence, cannabis, DNA testing, and more, make sure to take a listen. Also, subscribe to I'll Go First wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Risk Takers, a podcast about small business by The Globe and Mail. I'm Sarah Efron, and these are the stories of entrepreneurs who risk everything for their businesses. Today, we're looking at the dark side of entrepreneurship that doesn't get talked about much, the psychological toll entrepreneurship can take on business founders. First, Todd Maffin shares how he rose to the top of a publicly traded company and a national radio show before almost losing everything. Then Michael Deveni tells us how blacking out at the office provided a life-saving wake-up call. Todd Maffin has loved radio and technology since he was a kid. Before becoming an entrepreneur, he was a radio announcer in the BC interior. Then in the late 90s, he had the chance to pursue his tech dreams. I had this idea that, you know, what if we could create a website or a service that would alert people when stock market discussion online was going bad because it was the beginning of the dot-com boom and so there was lots to talk about stock. So it was kind of like an early warning detection system. If people start talking poorly about you, then it's probably a potential that your stock is going to crash. But around the same time, he gave a speech about the future of radio at the CBC and got an offer he couldn't refuse. At the Q&A session, they said, if you could have one job at the CBC... What job would you like to have? And normally I would just kind of blow that off because I'm kind of a self-effacing, you know, goofball. But I thought this might actually be a serious question. And I answered honestly, which is like ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted my own radio show. I would love to have a radio show on the CBC, thinking nothing would come of it. Two weeks later, they called and they said, uh, we've assigned you a producer. Are you interested in doing a pilot? And then they even named the show Todd Radio and that aired weekly nationally on uh, Radio One. Quick, would you let a robot operate on you? Well, soon, you may not have the choice. Live from Vancouver, it's ToddRadio.com, CBC Radio 1's interactive show about technology. Todd found himself pursuing two of his lifelong passions. But having two serious full-time jobs just isn't sustainable. (laughs) They were both my main gig, and that was part of the problem, is that at the same time that I was hosting and producing this radio show, uh, we had started up this dot-com, which we called Mindful Eye, And we grew. We grew to dozens of employees. We had uh, office space downtown. We had venture funding of $3 million. And then we went public in about 18 months. Uh, It was exhausting. And I would do that eight hours and I'd jump in a cab and I'd race over to the CBC and I'd go work there. Todd was running himself ragged, but he couldn't imagine dropping either job. Who gets an opportunity to be CEO of a publicly traded company from an idea that was yours that you came up with on a napkin? Nobody. Who gets to host their own national radio show on CBC, which is a childhood dream? Nobody. Both of those things happened to me and came at roughly the same time. So I felt like I had to take both. You know, I couldn't choose between them very well. As the long hours and stress started to wear on him, Todd blamed himself for not being up to the task. I thought that everyone had 16-hour workdays and everyone was stressed and everyone had imposter syndrome. And I thought that everyone was walking around feeling miserable and overworked and full of life. And then the next moment, you know, miserable and 
I felt like I was just not meeting up to the standard that everyone else was was living up to. And that's when Todd turned to alcohol. Up to this point, I barely drank. And then I started to self-medicate. I suddenly discovered, I'm not quite sure how, that, hey, alcohol kind of numbs this feeling out. The weight of all of this stuff that was going on was just lifted. And it became so much so that I, I couldn't stop. It was on the way to a planning meeting at CBC in the middle of the afternoon. It would be first thing in the morning to kind of get started. It would be as often as I could. As Todd's drinking ramped up, he shifted to working as a producer on DNTO, another national radio show. But the dot-com bubble was bursting as investors turned away from speculative internet companies. Todd's startup, Mindful Eye, lost its next round of funding and collapsed. Through it all, Todd thought he was managing well enough and didn't realize he had a problem until almost too late. From the time that I think I became an alcoholic until the time that I admitted that it was a problem was probably seven years. It took a long time for me to understand it was a problem. I had inklings that maybe I should slow down and things like that. But it wasn't until, you know, I had been in hospital several times and had an addictions doctor walk out of the room and tell my wife that I was going to die in three weeks. And even on that day, I still didn't want to go into treatment. On that day, the addiction specialist predicted Todd would be dead within a month. Now I look back on it and he was right. Whether it was going to be liver, whether it was going to be suicide, whether it was going to be some other toxicity, um, I was terminal. I was terminal. That was Todd's low point, or so he thought. He reluctantly got help. At the urging of his wife and doctor, he checked into a residential treatment center. After months of hard work at the clinic, Todd was ready to get back to work. Uh, three weeks after treatment, I relapsed. and uh, And everything fell apart. I lost my marriage. I lost my house. I lost uh, two-thirds of my savings to the divorce. I lost the, the three cats that I loved the most. I lost a lot of friends. I lost an enormous amount of my health. Uh, it, was a, it was a really bad downturn. I mean, treatment is not the solution. Treatment it just gives you the tools so that when you're ready, and for whatever reason, I wasn't ready. Uh, you know, I moved out. I got an apartment downtown. The divorce went through. And it took a couple of years for me to finally get, you know, get to a point where, where I was able to get some sobriety. Todd's been sober for several years now. I mean, I think life stability helps a lot. You know, I've remarried to a wonderful woman, and we have a fantastic marriage and a great condo and a cat and a dog that we love. That part's stable. And Todd is still an entrepreneur. His new company, Engage Q, helps major brands use social media effectively. But he's approaching entrepreneurship and work-life balance differently now. Not working 16-hour days anymore. You know, I've got a company that I started, and we have four employees now, and I probably could have grown this to a dozen people by now if I wanted to. Certainly the business has been there, but I've turned down a lot of it because I want to have some work-life balance. I want to be able to work from home. That's important. And that's a part of my recovery, right? It's the same reason that I don't, you know, that I don't go hang out in bars. It's the same thing with work. Uh, If I get myself to that place where I was before, where I was feeling out of control and I was working too many hours and I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing, I'm going to relapse. And I don't have another relapse left in me. I don't. So he stopped buying into macho entrepreneurial culture and arranged his new company with balance and flexibility in mind. You know, the entrepreneurial mail lists that I'm on and Facebook groups and stuff like that, everyone is sort of driven to always be pushing and always be like, you got to crush it every moment of the day, you got to crush it. And I was like, that sounds really crushing to me, you know? Some days are super busy. Some days are 12 hours, but other days where it's like Tuesday at 2.30, I can say, this day sucks. I'm going to go lie down and have a nap. 
Achieving a healthy balance meant scaling back his expectations for growth. But after his firsthand experience with the alternative, Todd's okay with that. I don't pay myself great. I pay myself 60 grand a year. Uh, my wife works out of the house. She makes more than I do. <laughs> you know, we keep a lot of the money in the company for tax reasons. And I pay my employees a living wage plus and a percentage of the revenues. And I, and I don't want to grow too, too much more. You know, if we get a big account, then great, we'll grow for that. But I don't want to grow for the sake of growth. And that's the problem that I think a lot of entrepreneurs at our stage make is that they they feel like they've got the opportunity for growth so they have to grow and they grow really fast or they they add people they add clients and and i'm much happier having a team where we're small we're paid well we're profitable our clients are happy and if we keep it four people for the next year or two i'm totally fine with that if we end up getting some big contracts and we add a couple people that's great too but i don't have any any desire to create a 400 person agency just because it's possible Todd Maffin isn't the only entrepreneur to suffer from stress and exhaustion. In Halifax, Michael Deveni was convinced to speak out and help other entrepreneurs after falling into a familiar pattern himself. My approach to managing stress was to just work longer hours. So I was quite proud, actually, of, of clocking 70 to 80 hours a week. Um, so it was, it was a mess. Michael had worked in financial services before catching the entrepreneurial bug. He struck out on his own to start a business, or rather a string of businesses. First it was investment management, then advice for divorcing couples, and now he's a consultant to other entrepreneurs. I felt there were certain things missing in terms of preparing entrepreneurs to run their own business and operate it and grow it. I think part of being an entrepreneur is that you can't help but move for growth. It just seems like you're never quite satisfied. You're always looking for what's next, how far can I take this, how big can I grow this. But as Michael worked to grow his business and help others grow theirs, that relentless pursuit of growth caught up with him. The level of stress had got to a point where it started uh, affecting me physically. And again, everything that happened, I kept thinking, I'll just work through it. And this is just a price that you pay for, for getting what you want. And I would look at other entrepreneurs and, and people who were working just as many hours and thinking that, well, if they can do it, you know, I'm weak if I can't. So wouldn't talk to anybody about it. I wouldn't talk to my business partner. I just kept thinking I'll, I'll make it through. And then I had a series of blackouts in the office so that it became pretty apparent that something was wrong. Something was wrong, all right. But Michael wasn't drinking or doing anything else that would explain the blackouts. He visited the doctor to investigate the cause and was quickly diagnosed with depression. That was certainly a heads up and no real idea of how to, how to deal with it because, again, it's still a big stigma to have depression, anxiety issues. Most people, and certainly I did at the time, feel that it's a weakness and that there's something definitely wrong with me um, and that I should be able to suck it up. And I couldn't. But um, the, the, the hardest thing, I think, was actually giving myself the time to get better. You know, I very begrudgingly gave in to seeing a therapist and to the medication. And part of it was I thought, well, the medication will take care of it. I'll take the drugs. That'll make it easier for me to continue working me 70, 80 hours a week. And I'll just keep going. So the therapy initially 
I would say didn't really fit um, the issues that I had. And I never really made the changes I needed to make. Even with a diagnosis, doctor supervision, and a prescription, Michael continued to suffer, and so did the business. The sad thing was that I I reached a point where I knew that I simply could not run the business and that we were faced with simply letting it die or that we would sell it. And I would have to say very honestly that our our business failed because of, of my challenges with depression. Finally, having sold his business, Michael was able to take the time he needed to address his health. And that's when things finally started turning around. Like for Todd Maffin, Michael's road to recovery wasn't a direct path. He tried a variety of treatments until he found the best combination for him. I've been to 11 therapists over the years. I'm with an absolutely incredible therapist now. He also took up cycling. When I started the cycling, it did make a huge difference. That's the first time I actually felt that I could get on top of this thing. And um, that has probably been a lifesaver for me. And I absolutely love cycling. So I'm usually out now, 250 to 300 kilometers a week. And that is my way of of just clearing my head and and working through things and, and, and staying in gear. Michael found that opening up about his issues, first to his therapist, then to his trainer and cycling friends, hugely reduced the burden he'd been carrying. So Michael made a decision that most entrepreneurs would balk at. He wrote a series in the local newspaper detailing his mental health struggles. I've never been able to keep quiet. And it bothered me that there are a lot of other people in my situation who don't feel that they can talk. I put the articles out. And uh, what I kind of thought is I might get maybe 20 emails, like maybe 20 people would kind of respond to it. But I had uh, well over 550 private emails so far. I've had people come in to see me um, to talk about it. And I started seeing the actual impact that it had in starting a conversation. Michael is now building a new consulting business from the ground up. But he isn't worried that being so revealing about his mental health struggles will turn off prospective clients. To me, it's a little test of character. I can tell when I talk to people about it if they're comfortable or not. And if a client is really comfortable with it, I know that this is going to be a, this is going to be a really good client. Michael knows there are many factors that play a part in mental illness. Personal history and genetic predisposition are two big ones. But like Todd Maffin, he feels that the culture of entrepreneurship is stacking the deck against business owners, especially when it comes to growth. We seem to have this expectation that we can grow by 20% a year or we can double the company in three years. And we set ourselves up and put a load of pressure on ourselves for expectations that absolutely make no sense. Today, Michael is working to improve the health and well-being of entrepreneurs by dedicating a portion of his new consulting business to the cause. His mindset project began this year with a survey of entrepreneurs. And the results appear to show that stories like Todd's and Michael's are all too common. We have almost 40 pages of long personal comments from respondents, like telling their story, which tells me how much people want to talk about it, but don't have an outlet for it. 
47% of all the people that we surveyed said their health was worse since becoming an entrepreneur than before. And 40% said their mental health had suffered because of it. So those are big numbers. And for entrepreneurs nearing burnout or facing mental health challenges right now, Michael has some hard-earned advice. So first and foremost is you've got to give yourself time to, to get better. And the second thing is find a good therapist. They are lifesavers. One of the challenges as an entrepreneur is that we don't feel we can talk to anybody. So we become very isolated and that makes the challenge even worse. I can't tell employees how bad it is because they'll start leaving. I can't tell investors how bad it is because they won't want to invest in me. I can't tell customers because they'll stop doing business with me. Um, I can't tell family because they'll want to fix me. So I find what a therapist can do is just provide that outlet. And the third one is um, <laughs> uh, one I wouldn't have said, you know, even four years ago, is exercise. Uh, it, it is the single best way to to manage stress. Like Todd Maffin, Michael Deveni faces the lifelong challenge of managing his health. For both of them, that's meant hard work, unflinching honesty, and a new, more realistic approach to business. There's a lot of change ahead, and I'm hoping that the articles that I write and the word that I put out will keep that conversation going. But uh, in the end, I finally come to a place where I know who I am, I know what I have, and I know what I want to do with it. So I can't think of being in a better place. That's all for the risk takers on the dark side of entrepreneurship. Thanks to Todd Maffin and Michael Deveni for sharing their stories. The Risk Takers is produced by J.P. Davidson and myself, Sarah Efron. Theme music by Prince Innocence. Thanks this week to Sam Fenn and Russell Gregg for their recording and interviewing help. For more small business stories, check out tgam.ca slash smallbusiness. You can also sign up for a free weekly small business newsletter at tgam.ca slash newsletter sign up. For more risk takers, subscribe wherever you download podcasts. And if you like the show, tell a friend or review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. To discuss this episode on Twitter, use the hashtag TheRiskTakers. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with more risk takers next week.